Welcome. You're listening to Be The Cause podcast, conversations that cause health. I am your host, Amanda Plevel, and today we're going to talk about a couple different cases, which are by no means anomaly types of cases for us. And we're going to go into some amino acid therapy and why I told these clients that their biggest hurdle was not going to be their physical symptoms, but themselves and how they could work on um, helping themselves right away. So, um, but like I said, the, the couple of clients that I wanted to talk about today just kind of triggered this talk and they are by no means standalone clients. Um, people will typically come and they've got by this point, just layers and layers, a multitude of symptoms that just seem to be progressively getting worse and, and a symptom list that just keeps adding on and on. And so there's multiple things we can tackle. Uh, for example, one client, a female, came with multiple chemical sensitivity, mast cell syndrome, allergies, asthma, extreme sensitivities to light and sound, and a generalized weakened immune system. And so there was a ton of things we could have just grabbed off the shelf and helped her, you know, relieve her symptoms. But that's not <laughs> that's not the way we do things. That's not um, what my my scope is when I'm working with people. So um, whenever I first start working with a new client. I, I don't want to hurry them out the door. I don't want to pile them up with supplements. To me, that's no different than just, you know, putting a Band-Aid on the symptom. And a doctor can treat an illness. And our goal really is to work on addressing the underlying causes of that illness. So great, you can be covered and watched over by your primary care provider, and we can be helping you look at what are the underlying um, causative factors that are contributing to that. So for sure, there's definitely plenty of symptoms, lots of um, system things that we could be working on with these, with these um, cases. And definitely we are doing that to help um, address all of the physical stuff that's going on. When I first start working with a client, I spend a good deal of time getting to know them. I call this phase one. I could call it assessment time, but I call this phase signify because I'm trying to correlate not just the timeline of events, but where did the nervous system get off track? What has impacted the nervous system? What has programmed the nervous system to dictate to the cells what it needs? What has the nervous system picked up as its operating system? Um, if it's going to stay in a fight or flight, if it's going to be working out of the dorsal vagal, the ventral vagal, those are all terms that you can listen to the other podcasts about. I go extensively into those. But of course, I was looking for the same kinds of things when I was working with these particular clients. And so I call this the signify period because we're really looking for not just assessing what's going on, but what is significant about this person? What is significant in this person's history? What is significant um, in this timeline, and what does the client believe is about their own significance? So once we're kind of done fleshing out the assessments um, and all of the symptoms and just and get a good description of that and see the picture that we're presenting, I was definitely able to see that there's more that's going on. And the conversation then just naturally kind of turns towards the general approach to life, the general experience of life and feelings about life and the history of what kind of created these thoughts and concepts and feelings about life. So what can't go missing in any good report of symptoms um, or symptom review is a general feeling of wellness and acceptance of oneself. I think that has to get assessed as well. We have to assess the, the history of their past experience and what those experiences have created as far as beliefs about themselves. 
And what was evident in not only these two cases, but um, very similar cases that I've seen a multitude of times is that there is a underlying, um, perhaps even generational trauma and resulting concepts that happen. In these particular cases, the roots of these concepts were things like, I'm not good enough, nobody loves me, I'm not worthy. And the resulting illness that is part of the factorization in this is it just goes to repeat those concepts because everything somebody does then that doesn't help you in your illness just kind of reiterates these same concepts. So interestingly, you know, they both have had counseling, but three major factors are missed as far as I'm concerned. One, the body has an altered need for not just nutrition, but trauma-specific nutrients. There is a, an altered need for trauma-specific, trauma-supportive nutrients. So when you're, when you're doing those intake forms, there's very specific reasons why I ask the questions on my intake forms. For example, I have you do a scale on your stress panel. And if you're above a certain number on that scale, I'm automatically looking for signs of malabsorption, improper digestion. And if that's the case, we're looking then at your nutrition analysis, a totally different view, because I'm now wanting to see if you're having sufficient intake of the types of nutrients that are going to support that level of stress going on in your body. So it could be internal stressors. It could be external stressors. It could be the stressors that you emotionally feel, but it also could be the internal stressors that are going on in your body. And I want to make sure that you have the right amount uh, and the right kinds of energy to be able to support that. Um, nutrition makes the chemistry that makes the mood and the matter, which is your body. And so in this case, time is inconsequential because the nervous system doesn't recognize a timeline. If you're feeling something now, it doesn't matter that the start of that feeling was something that happened five years ago. It dictated to the nervous system what was going to happen from this point on. And if we don't properly have that resilience factor built in, we haven't been trained into that, then the timeline isn't going to matter. The nervous system won't care that it was five years ago. It won't even know that it was five years ago because it's happening right now. So we have to act as if that the trauma, the issue, the emotion, the multitudes of emotions possibly from many, many, many episodes and experiences, we have to act as if they're happening right now. Missed factor number two. The past is not separate from the physical symptoms of today. So by the time somebody has symptoms, those are the secondary factors of the underlying root. So to spend time putting just a Band-Aid on those factors is not going to give us the, the culprits for, for what we need to change, for the lifestyle interventions we need to have so that these things don't continue to happen. And missed factor number three, there is a habit to illness. So the first misfactor is all about nutrition. Obviously, that's where that's where I reside. I love nutrition. I love talking about the cells and what they need. And I'm going to give you one kind of factor to take with um, from this podcast journey today, and that's about protein and how and, and protein needs in stress and how amino acids affect things. So any kind of malabsorption can happen when you're under stress. When you're running from a tiger, you're not considering, you know, stopping and eating the, the blueberries and you're not thinking about digestion at that point. 
it's all systems go to survival at that point. So we're not thinking about having bowel movements. We're not thinking about having a good meal. We're just thinking about run. And so all nutrients will be absorbed less. However, in a person that has had chronic symptoms, chronic stressors with a history of trauma or emotional abuse, that potential is quite elevated. And so we have to consider all of the kinds of nutrient needs that are different than just normal maintenance type of needs. So proteins are incredibly important because they break down, it's the amino acids, the tiny little, tiny little building blocks is what make up proteins. And amino acids do all of the, um, all of the, the little catalytic things that make everything happen in the body. So um, amino acids are, are responsible for you know, histamine experiences. So in client number one that we're talking about this week, that was really important. Um, in, amino acids help to guide antioxidation and detox also, which was important for client number two who came in with um, her symptoms being extreme constipation and IBS and depression. And so if there is not enough intake of energy in general, protein in your tissues can be broken down and used as the glucose that is needed to fuel the body. So first of all, we have to be able to make sure that we're taking in enough caloric intake, enough nutrition. And then uh, the second kind of key point to this is, did you know that if a single amino acid is not present in the gut, if we don't have all of the essential amino acids present, when we take in protein, protein can't be synthesized. It's like you took in the protein, you did all the work of digesting it, but it's not, it can't be synthesized because we didn't have all of the parts. So it's really important to make sure that we're having the amino acids and we're having the conversions that we're needing from that protein. Now, the answer isn't just let's eat more amounts of protein either, because this can negatively impact the systems. We can put a lot of pressure and burden on the pancreas. We can put a lot of pressure and burden on the liver, particularly if the protein is not being digested. So we need to look at what's on the plate and what is the body doing with what's on the plate once it gets in the body. So proteins and amino acids end up being incredibly important. And I just want to kind of end that part of our talk today with that reminder that we are here to work on the underlying cause of illness. To think that we can only focus on treatment is to miss the whole boat of what health means in general. Factor number two um, was that we cannot separate the past from our physical symptoms of today. And part of that is because of those amino acids, those protein building blocks that are dictating to the body, to dictating to the cells, which end up creating the body. So we have to stay clear that all of the symptoms that are presented to us, that it cannot blind us to the fact that there is a whole long chain of activity that has come before those symptoms showed up. So we have to look at the chemistry and the chemical messengers and and whether that was, you know, right now, this past month or a year ago, we have to look at all of the factors that changed the nervous system, gave the cells different messages coming from those nervous system messengers. And factor number three is there is a habit to illness. Once illness is present or once symptoms show up um, to a person, it is very real. It is very true. And most importantly, it is very permanent. Now, that's not the case. Nature moves. Everything changes. You can't exist without changing. But when you're sick and you don't feel well and you're constantly dealing with symptoms, it seems very permanent. It seems very hopeless. When you struggle with this long enough um, and answers can't be found and it goes unaddressed, it just seems all the more hopeless and never ending. And it becomes a huge 
makeup of who this person is. So we get in the habit of our illness. We actually get in the habit of our symptoms and we get in the habit of having to accommodate those symptoms. Like we can't go places, we can't do certain things or activities. Our whole routine is now focused in order to control these symptoms, control our environment and control the people in it so that we can keep ourselves safe. So symptoms to me are a trauma response. So I don't think we can look at chronic illness and and this is why I, I look differently at autoimmune because I don't think we can look at chronic symptoms or chronic illness without looking at how it can be a trauma response. Change cannot come from repeating the same cycle. So the things that got us ill are not going to be the things that make us well. But this is where it gets scary because it's very scary to change anything up because you're very scared of the symptom and the reaction and and how how bad it feels. It just reiterates that cycle of fear. And that this is why a big part of why I tell people the biggest hurdle is not going to be the physical symptoms. There is evidence all over the place. There are articles, there's um, infographics. I mean, there's just information everywhere for here's symptom A, here's the you know supplement herb or medicine for symptom A. Here's the one for symptom B. Here's the one for symptom C. But it, if it was that easy, everybody would be healed from the same bottle. And that's not the case. And so spending some time in a world where you can imagine being healed as a part of your healing process is absolutely important. You have to understand that you are constantly changing. How you are changing is up to you. If we want to change by doing the same things and we see a progression of things getting worse, or if we want to change by giving new information to the body, to the cells, and see things progressively getting better, and it's not going to happen overnight. It takes 10 months to build a baby. We have to allow our tissue, we have to allow the inflammation to release. We have to allow time for those tissues to change. So this relates to a very primary premise that I have employed in our clinic. And it's that a person needs to believe that they're capable in order to heal. They have to believe that change is possible. And here's the thing, change is inevitable. You're going to change one way or the other. Like I said, you just get to help decide which direction you're going to put your efforts. And so we teach them the skills and we teach our people how to practice these habits, but the willingness is all yours. Getting off that hamster wheel can be a difficult one. There's fear there. And that leads us back to my core essential primary premise at the clinic. The body cannot heal in the state of fear. So we come full circle and have to address again, where did the nervous system get off track? How can we live more from an adaptive, resilient state? And how do we train ourselves to do that? So when we work, we work in a very therapeutic way. It is why we promote programs and why we would love to help you get set up on a program of your own. So I'm going to put a link to that program building button that you can click and get started um, on helping yourself get off that hamster wheel. So I'm going to end today with some um, affirmations some positive suggestions for you. So just a quick deep breath and release. And as you're releasing that deep breath and as you're releasing the tight muscles that go along with that, and as you release the chaos and the fear and the tension, we're going to release at the same time everything that you don't need. We're going to release the idea of illness. We're going to release the idea of fear release the idea of needing to protect because nothing in this world is going to protect you. And instead, we're going to give positive affirmation that you are safe, you are loved, and you are always protected. 
You are in a world that loves you. You are in a world full of change and change can be a good thing. Change is a necessary thing. It's how everything grows. I'm giving you the positive suggestion that your body is changing as well in all positive ways, that there is never a, a, a non-answer to your suffering. There is always a reason that the body is acting as it does, and we are going to release and let go of the idea of needing to control that and instead open to understanding of what the body is doing in our favor, even when it doesn't feel like it's in our favor. I'm going to give you the positive suggestion that you can, you are, you are capable, you are worth it, you are loved. Thank you for joining the conversation. I encourage you to keep having conversations of your own and go on out there and cause health in your world.